feel like you should be on camera more. Well, okay. Not just the half of your head. Well, COVID. Is it the better half of your head? There is no better half when it comes to my head. <laughs> when it comes to your head. Hmm. There's no better half. Do we feel close? Do we feel close to the camera or to one another? Do you Speaking feel close to proximity me? <laughs> or... I think we're fine. Spiritually Hello. and emotionally. I'm having the laser beams in my glasses. Maybe that's what's super happy that we are family in Christ. That's a good thing. That is true. We are close. Thick as thieves. <laughs> yes. yes. I never Thick under- as thieves. I don't understand that saying. I've never... Do you understand that saying? You probably do. You probably know what that means. <laughs> So the, the bonds that hold you together when you are engaged in criminal activity must be strong. They cannot be thin tendrils. So you don't narc on anyone? Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Snitches get stitches. There you go. <laughs> Good way to start the podcast. So we are... We actually have to... We are a very spiritual group of people here today. To. It, was my edu- it was my history lesson for the day. Um, we have to be on time today because we're running late. Yes, we sure are. And I have to pick are. up my child. So let's get into what we're talking about. Oh, snitches get stitches? Is yes. that we're going to develop that today? I got a. Um, I wanted a pocket knife for Christmas and I didn't get one. <laughs> so I ordered myself a pocket knife. Nice. And my family's like, why do you want a pocket knife? And a why pocket did, knife. Why would you like, not? I, I mean... Like, so I will tell you. That was one of Emma's great desires several years ago. I use ago, my pocket so. knife every day. I find a use for it. Emma so. has a pink browning camouflage Mine's lock, a browning. lock blade uh, knife. I love but, it. I love my pocket knife. It's pink anyway. camouflage, so she's Mine's into not. it. Mine's so. just like, like bamboo. It's also very sharp. It is so. very sharp, so I have to hide it from three-year-olds. But yeah. Sometimes Fun fact, you're much more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than with a I know a that from knife, the kitchen, that's so. for sure. My favorite Christmas present last year was a whetstone that I could sharpen my knife. All right. Now that we're talking about cutting and uh, stabbing and sharpening. Yes. Thieves, so it's time for us then to, to cut into our text and rightly divide the word of truth, that which was, is was, sharper than any two-edged sword. That was a stretch, but we got so. there. Um, when I asked you last week off the, off the air... Uh, what we were talking about this week, you said sex, <laughs> and yes. you said it like laughing. So I I started laughing, um, <laughs> partly because I thought you knew. <laughs> since we're, since you we're said it like Beavis and Butt. I thought, but um, child of the nineties. Yeah, but um, that is what we're talking about today, and yes. uh, so I think we uh, kind of referenced this last week. But if you have kids who usually listen or watch, um, not that they shouldn't, if you think that they're you know mature enough to. Right, under, right, understand right. the concepts, but um, if but you be have, forewarned right. that, that we are talking about concepts, and um, I there are a lot of things that I really wanted to be clearer about and more direct about during the sermon on Sunday, but um, time does not allow us to, to develop everything, so the podcast can help a little bit with that. Um, but even so, in the time frame and the format that we've got, we can't really get into a lot of details. And I, and I honestly, I'm not sure that the details are as important as the principles and concepts. The details do matter. Mm-hmm. They are important. So when God says, don't do something or always do something or do something this way, you need to know those details. That's important. Mm-hmm. We need to know what the rules are, but we also need to really um, have an understanding of what's behind that. What, what's right. the purpose? You, what's God saying? When you touched on Sunday, you said, what's the why behind those yes. things? And I think that, you know, in general, in life, you know, if you hear do this, not that, you want to know why. Why do I have to do it this way? Why can't I do that? What's the problem right. with that? Well, and, and you know, I've said this as a parent a lot of times. Right. There's, there is the command itself. 
which you are required as my child to obey, period. You know, as my grandfather used to say, you know, yours is not to reason why, yours is but to do or die. Uh, and the reality of that is many of the commands that we're giving are to preclude death, you, you, to keep you from this. Right. So if you obey now without question, then good things happen. And if you don't, bad things happen, whether those are natural consequences or imposed consequences. Right. But as we grow, as the relationship develops, then, then a parent lets the child into the thought process. If you're trying to tell George, your little boy, um, you know, why he shouldn't touch the stove at a certain point, like right now, it doesn't really matter why. He doesn't need to understand the laws of thermodynamics. He needs to understand that's hot. It will right. hurt me. Right. Don't do it. Right. Now, if he chooses to go against that. He's going to learn real quick that it's hot. He's going to find the consequences. Right. That's, it's self-punishing. Mm-hmm. And sin is self-punishing. The the consequences, the natural consequences of sin, and, and I think Romans 1 makes that pretty clear, uh, it, it is its own punishment. And so the idea of we need to impose some harsh um, regulatory things against that, that, that kind of misses the point. So mm-hmm. when God imposes uh, certain consequences um, outside of the natural consequences, the reason for that is because it's the same as with our kids to keep us from something greater. So with my children, I might you know reprimand or or, or punish or, or uh, you know give them a swat or whatever, um, because what they will face if they don't learn this lesson is far greater than this momentary pain that they're going to receive from me. Uh, and so I'm doing this out of love for their own good to keep them from a greater problem. They need to learn not to play on the highway, not to take a nap on a railroad tracks, not to you know, suck on a razor blade or and whatever other ridiculous learn. idea I can come up with. One thing I've started doing, and like you said, my child is three, you know, explaining to him why, uh, making him understand that he can trust me because yeah. I'm doing this to protect him. And so when I, then ipso facto, I say something, he knows it's the right thing because I'm trying to protect him. And I think we, we don't often think about that with God. We don't realize that God is trying to do what's best for us. Right. Uh, and we need to get to that, that, uh, I guess that area of trust and that's not always easy to do. Yeah. And, and you know, we, I think a lot of times we kind of we separate concepts that are intertwined mm-hmm. and then we conflate concepts that are separate. Right. And the the trust that I know we we're are, talking about parenting next week, but <laughs> well, but it all it all relates. Right. So all of the, the parenting, uh, the the sexuality, the marriage stuff, all of it goes together, and it can't be separated mm-hmm. without, as we said Sunday, innate and dire consequences. Right. There is uh, w- when we when we tear those things apart. It's the same as if I tear my body apart. When I take apart things that are intended to be connected, there's pain, there's consequence, you know, and, and eventually there's death. And so when we're talking about learning to trust God, we learn to trust by obeying. And we obey because we trust. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, there's a, a growth in that that has to happen. And so initially it starts with, uh, even in Leviticus 18, uh, we see this picture of God saying, because I am God, therefore, you do what I say. Right. Now, when you do what I say, you will discover 
in the process why I'm saying this, that there is a benefit. There, forget not the Lord's benefits. There, there are benefits to obedience, to doing things the way the designer designed them, the way the creator created them. And when we get outside of that, then the natural consequences are that we are sideways of the natural created order. And so the basic realities of the universe are now at war with us. If I jump out of a plane and try to flap my arms, I'm fighting against gravity. And that's not going to work no matter what you know, superhero movies we watch or, or how much I try to use the force. You know, none of that stuff actually overcomes the realities of life. Right. So <clears throat> when I do marriage, sexuality, and parenting, family, my way instead of God's way, the inevitable results no matter how much we try to, to promote them as good, are always going to come out bad. Now, we can, you know, we can sometimes uh, have things turn out well by the grace of God, but that is superseding that or finding ways to overcome that. Uh, and, and we've talked about that even in your own life. As a single mom, you know that's not ideal. That's right. not what, what is supposed to happen, and you can't be both mom and dad. So trying to figure out how do we, how do we make this in, the, in a, a less than ideal situation, how do I make this the best thing that I can do? How do I help my child see God the Father as God the Father truly is without having mom and dad together in the home? Mm -hmm. That's a challenge. And, and so there are things that we do in a fallen and broken world to restore, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll call it echoes of Eden, to try to get as, as, as far back to how it's supposed to be as we can, knowing that it's already, it's already broken, right? So, you know, and that's, I guess, one of the things that I, I hope people caught Sunday and I, and I hope they'll catch today is that when we're talking about these things, this isn't to, to heap guilt on people and to, you know, let's, let's beat you down with shame and guilt over your failures. I don't know if I know anybody who hasn't failed in these areas in various ways. We all sin in various ways. And while one person might be tempted with pornography or, or adultery or, or fornication or homosexuality or whatever, and somebody else is not, uh, that doesn't mean that we're not guilty of wrong attitudes in these things. And, and so very often what we see is um, in pious uh, I'm trying to not fall too far into the, the using good terms as pejorative terms, but that's pervasive in the language, so we're used to that. But if we fall into too much of the, uh, the, the pious, religious, puritanical, uh, prudish, Victorian kind of mentality, then, then our attitudes, while we've not given a, a foothold to license in our lives, I'm just going to do whatever I want, there are no rules, God doesn't care, then we sometimes will go so far the other way that, that we see what God ordained as a good thing, as something to be endured or tolerated at best and, and to be avoided, but that's not at all what the Bible teaches us. And so we need to understand some basic principles, and, and as we're um, talking about sexuality, the, the core reality that we talked about on Sunday and, and I really want people to walk away from this podcast with is that uh, God's, uh, God's standards of sexual integrity reflect and illustrate his own character. And so uh, this isn't just random stuff that God's right. just 
oh, how can I mess with them today right. kind of thing. I'm, gonna, I'm going to give them sexual desires and then make a bunch of rules that make it hard for them to right. live this out. Not that at all. But every time God gives a command, every time God builds something into the design of creation, it's derivative of himself. And so his standards of sexual ethics, sexual integrity, uh, are, are directly coming from who he is and designed along with all of marriage, sexuality, and family, and really ultimately all of creation to give us a picture of him, to draw us closer to him for, for us to understand him better. And so with that said, when we separate sexuality from marriage, mm-hmm. then we defile what God has intended to be holy, what God has intended to be really an act of worship. This is a, an expression of his relationship to his people. And when we engage in this properly, then we find that, that, that God is honored, God is pleased, and God is rightly portrayed. If we get it wrong, if we separate it. So we turn, you know, so often in, in our uh, in our society today, we talk about the... Um, sexual rights that have been developed uh, in the last 30 to 40 years. We, we now talk about those as basic human rights, that you're not fully alive unless you're expressing yourself sexually, and that's part of who you are as a human being. And if you don't do this, and if you don't follow on these desires, you're less than fully human, less than fully alive. That is a dangerous lie that is so far from the truth and has never been seen by any other, by any other part of 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 Western society for sure. And I have not found anything, even in, in Greek and Roman, uh, there's some stuff that maybe in some of the Eastern societies, uh, Indian society that I'm not as familiar with that might point in that direction. But but we just don't see that. Right. It, it's not, that's not the same thing. So throughout history, we've seen people who were celibate for any number of reasons and we're not considered to be less than fully human and right. fully alive. And we're trying to portray that in our society now, that if I don't get to express my sexuality the way I want to, if there are any rules on this, then you're taking away my freedom to be a person. Until your freedom then offends me. Mm-hmm. And now I can take away your freedom because then it's gone too far. So when we have subjective rules, everybody loses in this situation. There was, it's funny you mentioned that. I was uh, watching TikTok this morning and there was a, a clip from, uh, it looked like a radio show in England. I don't, I've never heard of it before. And there was a man on there and two women <coughs> and, and one woman was a host of the show and the other one must have been some kind of sidekick or something. And I don't know what the man was talking about, but he must have used the word cisgender woman. Hmm. Which, for people who don't know, that basically means a, a heterosexual woman. Somebody um, who identifies right. with their biology right. without any tension or, right. or frustration. And uh, you would be a cisgender man, I would be a cisgender woman. The woman got very angry with the man, and she said, if you, if you call me a cisgender woman again, you're going to leave my show. She goes... I am a woman. Yeah. Amanda is a woman. You are a man. I'm not a cisgender woman. I am just a woman. Right. If you want to, if someone wants to be labeled as transgender or whatever, that's them. But you can't take away what I am right. to fulfill your own label. And I thought that was very poignant because that seems Which to be Which is exactly the purpose right. of the term cisgender. When we created that term, I say we, I wasn't involved. But, but <laughs> you weren't we, on that panel. But when, when we developed that in the language, the purpose of it is to take what is normal and has been always recognized throughout 
every part of human history until the last five minutes as normal, as in keeping with everything that is true and right and, and actual. And I don't mean morally right. I mean actually right. Biologically. Biologically factual. Uh, and, and to see that now as non-normative. We want to, we want to make that um, an option. So we want, to, we want to take all of these other things that, that we're now in our society offended when we call, talk about sexual preference. That's a mm-hmm. pejorative term. When we talk about, um, I, I'm not even thinking right as far as how, how to say it, but when we talk about uh, how you identify with your gender as something that you choose, that's offensive. That's, you know, because this is just normal. It's just who they are. And so we want to make all of these things equivalent (coughs) and take away any kind of a sense that there is a normal, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that everybody should just recognize a woman is a woman, a man is a man. And so we created a term to make it sound as if it's just it, one it, of the... And it'll be offensive when I say this. I guess I'm not going to try not to be. We make it sound as if it's a disorder. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is this malady of being cisgendered. That's not really what we're talking about. So, I, I just thought that was interesting with... Oh, you're okay. I just thought that was interesting with all of the um, <coughs> labels that they're placing on everyone today to try to take away, not even that sense of, of normalcy, but take away... I don't even like to use the word sexual identity because it's your it's your gender. Rich ran away. <laughs> He's getting some water, I think. So, yep. Otherwise, it's going to be coughing the whole time. So, how are how is everybody out there? This is less fun as a one person podcast. I'll tell you that. So we will wait for him to get water, and not die on the podcast, and we will continue our our talk. <laughs> you feel better? I'm getting there. Now you know why I prefer doing it with you. As but you can. I had to do it with but you don't just leave in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> Sometimes uh, you don't have a choice. That's okay. I wish I could do that multiple times if, a day. Just I walk remained, away. If I remained, you would not have enjoyed that conversation I, at all. I know. Uh, anyway, so let's move on. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make you talk now when you're, while you're choking. <laughs> while I'm choking. I, uh, <clears throat> I think it's the coffee from this morning has developed a the certain coffee? dry spot. Uh-huh. Um, uh, <laughs> I do love a pun. She's so punny. I, I guess I wanted to ask you, backing up a little bit while we're, while we're talking <clears throat> about, I guess, identification and sexuality. Um, I'm, I started a, a Bible reading plan in the new year. and uh, Always recommended. Right. And uh, it's interesting because it's, it, it's going straight through, but it also, like, We'll jump into other areas along the way. So I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth with whether I like that or not, but I'm sticking with it. Um, but in Genesis, I've found it just crazy that, I mean, I'm still in Genesis, and I'm, I'm, I was to that part where, I mean, things were going on when, when Noah built the ark, whatever. But I was partic- in particularly struck about uh, Lot and mm. the two angels that came uh, and... And the, That's messed up, man. And the, <laughs> and the men pounded on his door and said, bring those two men out here so we can have sex with them. And I thought to myself, how soon hmm. after the fall did all this start going on? Right. And I mean, Rowan knows the first instance of, of homosexuality or when that was brought into the world, I guess. But that was, it just, our innate, horrible nature after sin entered the picture made sure. that happen like that. And it says, I know you mentioned on Sunday that there were plenty of other uh, passages in the Bible that mentioned that that was a sin, and it does right there, that it was detestable. 
Um, but I just thought, wow, it happened that fast yeah. that all of this entered the picture. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would say it, it really came in in Genesis 3 when it's mm -hmm. still just eating the fruit. Right. That disobedience uh, created this, <laughs> if I can borrow from the mythology example, it opened Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. And so all of the possibilities of sin were immediately present in creation at that point. Up until that time, the only thing, they, there was only one bad choice. Everything else that they did was going to be positive. One bad choice. They make that one bad choice, and now we're faced with myriad decisions and it just floods, all the floods time. floods you. Yeah, and so from up until that moment, everything they did, they did God's way instead of mm -hmm. their way. Mm -hmm. Ever since that moment, everything we do naturally is pursuing our way That's crazy. instead of God's way. Because we always say like things are so bad today, and they are. But to think that back then all sure. this garbage was going on, that's nothing new. Well, we've, uh, we've found different ways to do things, maybe because of technology and right. things like that. Well, we're good at inventing sin. In fact, the right. scripture even says that, you know, in Paul's letter to Timothy, people inventing ways to sin. We, we create new ways. But the sin itself is nothing new. And right. that's yeah. just, that's just, I don't know why that got to me so much when I was reading that the other day, but I'm like, wow, this happened like immediately. Yeah, there's a lot of really disgusting things in the world. But if you go back through history, there's... Right. We've just found new ways of doing it. That's, that's <clears> and and a lot of times it's not even so much that it's new ways. We're just repackaging the old ways. Yeah. So we found new, <laughs> new means to get there. Like you said, technology, you know, we have internet right. and so on. Right. But there were... You know, <laughs> lust isn't new. Homosexuality isn't right. new. Uh, fornication isn't new. Violating covenant isn't new. Um, polygamy, polyamory isn't new. None of these things are new. But none of them, because they're old, the, th the things that are ancient, aren't inherently better. They're not right. approved. Right. And so, you know, at the time of Noah, you're only in Genesis 6. When right. Happens, and I'm like, right? oh my gosh, we didn't take very long, did you're, we? You're in Genesis 6 and... We're told that every inclination of man's heart is only evil right, all the time. Right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's that escalated bad. quickly. Right, exactly. Right. And there's a reason for that. And so when we see the way that scriptures unfold, this, this early primeval history before Israel becomes a nation, we're seeing that God created us for this relation, relationship with Him. And everything in creation is designed to point to Him, to give. Uh, to give glory where glory is due, which is the best thing for us anyway, is to understand and to know God because we're created for him, for his pleasure, for his glory. And our best fulfillment, our fulfillment of our purpose, our, our highest best life is in a perfect relationship with God, mm -hmm. giving glory to him and enjoying him And that's what it was forever. at the beginning with Adam and Eve. Exactly. So the moment that was destroyed... The moment you poured the toxins into the water system, everything was Somebody's contaminated. Somebody's poisoned the water hole. It's, it's bad, right. right? So, and, you know, Woody recognizes that. Uh, <clears throat> as we... There's a snake in my boot. There's would a also snake <laughs> in my boot, in my garden. As we go forward from there, then God reaches in to redeem his people, to, to say, okay, this creation, which is all mine, has rebelled against me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to then pull out from this those who will be faithful to me. Mm -hmm. And he does that. He, he calls Abram out. Abram, who becomes Abraham, is not following God. He's from a pagan society in a pagan area and, and pulls him out of this, calls him to himself. 
um, and then creates this nation out of him and brings uh, eventually brings Jesus through that nation. Mm-hmm. But all of the laws and commands that he gives to Israel are things that are are applicable in a general sense to everyone. It's, right. the, it's reflective of what God always intended for society, but specifically for his people Israel to reflect his character. So then while Jesus fulfilled the law, the ceremonial law no longer applies because it's been fulfilled in him. That was all pointing toward him. Now, having received him and having the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us uh, as believers, we are, we are freed from that law so that now we live according to the Spirit of Christ, not according to the Spirit of the law, which brings only behavior modification right. and death. And it shows just how bad we are because we do such a bad job, even at the most minimal laws. When you've got one, don't eat that fruit, right. and you violate that one, right. then how much that are you tells you an it, awful right. lot about the, where we are with the rest of us. So people are like, oh, there's so many laws. Okay, if God gives you the Ten Commandments... Right. I don't know anybody who makes it through the day most of the time without violating one of these Ten Commandments. So we can compare ourselves to others. You know, you can say, well, I'm doing better than Zyger is. But compare yourself to God's standard, and then we have a real problem. Right. So, and people want to argue, I feel like, and you talked about this on Sunday uh, in two little separate sections that, uh, I'm going to read it right here, that God's commands regarding sexuality apply generally to all people, but then you focus specifically on the church Yes. Uh, and, and Christ followers as well. And I think people like to argue that when it comes to, like, let's say specifically the rules in Leviticus. Well, if you do this, why don't you do that? And if you right. believe this, why don't you do that? And it's important to understand who, which rules are for which people and how it was presented right. in a certain way because I think people, both people who are Christ followers and especially those who aren't, like to use that as an arguing point. Yeah, and it's generally not intellectually honest. We, we are coming at it with a, uh, we've already decided in our minds mm-hmm. what the conclusion is. Mm-hmm. We're not coming at it to say, okay, let me understand God's word. We've decided God's word is wrong. Right. The church is wrong. This morality is wrong. There shouldn't be any rules. I should get to do whatever I want. And God is just this capricious cosmic killjoy. And so we go into it and say, well, you're just being a hypocrite because, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen you eat you know, shrimp scampi. And so you obviously you're not kosher. And if you're not kosher, then why are you worried about this? You know, you, why are you concerned about tattoos or, or whatever else? But we're not actually going through and studying the word to see what is the context here? What is the, what is the genre that we're looking at? Is this law? Is it proverb? You know, and there, and there are a lot of places where we get confused and, right. and we and look at and it we've been through that why people pick and choose what right. they want to and so then then i look at at different aspects of the law that are very clearly intended to do a particular thing mm-hmm. and then we we blow that up mm-hmm. and say well that doesn't apply over here or, you know all this other stuff so it's obviously false well the stoplight in town here it does not apply to every intersection in town it applies to that intersection when it's green you go here. That doesn't mean you get to go at this other intersection because it only applies in that context. The same is true with the law. There are, are, are very clear and specific borders and guidelines that go along with this where I, I might tell my child, don't cross the street. That's not a universal principle to never at any point cross ever cross the street, the street right. because two minutes from now when the car's not coming, I might say, I need you to cross the street. Mm-hmm. But I can't because you said not to cross the street. 
now I need you to cross this. Oh, dad, you're a hypocrite. Well, that's the kind of stuff that we do with the intellectual dishonesty that says, I want to live my life my way. Therefore, I'm going to try and punch holes in the law of God. I'm going to try and punch holes in the morality of the church. And that's, that's just not anything that we're talking about here. That's not what we're trying to portray. So just to kind of quick spin through the, the highlight points of, of what we're talking about on Sunday, and then if there's anything that, that grabs you, can, we can talk about that because we're not going to be able to cover everything. Right. But I, I want to make sure that I say a couple of things very clearly and specifically, and, and so I want to get uh, some of these things knocked out. So as we mentioned, God's standards of sexual integrity reflect and illustrate his own character. So then as we look at, at how that plays out, the first thing we need to recognize is that God's commands are not capricious or random. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. There are purposes. There are reasons. And ultimately, the law of God reflects the character of God. So when God gives commands, the the reason for those commands is that they flow from his character. And they're intended to draw us closer to understanding him, to to being able to live in light of what is good and true and and righteous. So they're not just random. Uh, The law is good and, and spiritual. Um. Next, we need to understand that sexuality cannot be separated from marriage and family without innate and dire consequences. It's, it's built in. Before God gives the law, sexual integrity is already built into the created order. So when we live contrary to God's design, the way he intended things to operate, when, when God wrote, uh, you know, made the blueprints and, and laid out the foundations of the earth, and this is how physical principles operate, this is how spiritual principles operate. When we live contrary to his design, we fight against basic reality. So we're going to have natural consequences that follow. Uh, and when we live contrary to God's will, his command, his law, uh, then we incur God's righteous wrath. So then he imposes consequences to bring us back into line, to punish those uh, who are are wicked, those who are opposed to God, will receive due punishment. Those who belong to him and are sideways of his will will receive the discipline to bring them back into line because mm-hmm. that's how it works. And, and again, to, to try to paint God as some terrible, capricious person because of that neglects the fact that that's how all of us Every good parent raises their children that same way, right. and, and rightly so, he should. So uh, third, God's commands regarding sexuality apply generally to all people. Again, it's built into the created order. So then when God says, do this, not that, eat this, not that, you know, the, all of this kind of stuff, that is true for everybody. What is true is true regardless of who you are. It's not a matter of religious belief if, you know, again, gravity if I jump off a building, it does not matter if I'm Catholic, Protestant, Hindu, Muslim, I splat the same way. The, the laws still apply generally to all people. So God's design for marriage, sexuality, and family is built into the created order. Therefore, getting sexuality wrong is innately harmful to both the individual and society. I'm going to damage myself if I don't get this right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> uh, Paul uh, Paul says, I don't think I brought it up on Sunday, that that there's a special harm that comes with sexual sin. All other sin is done outside the body. But when you sin sexually, you're sinning against yourself, against your own body. And there is a, there is a pain, there is a, a special damage, a special harm that comes along with that innately. That's not, not a matter of punishment, but the consequences naturally that follow 
are painful. And it subverts society. When we get sexuality wrong, when we get marriage wrong, when we get parenting wrong, all of that is subversive to society at large. Um, And uh, fourth, God's commands regarding sexuality apply uniquely to God's people. While they're general for everybody, in that the same way that gravity is general for everybody, there are specific... Uh, commands that God gives that apply specifically to his people. And when we look at Israel in particular, we looked at Leviticus 18 and it talked about all these various forms of incest, not to do that. Now, the reason God was saying not to do that is because that had become normal in the world. You don't t- command somebody to do not to do something that nobody's ever thinking right, about doing. Right. Right? <clears throat> so it's like today you see, you feel, you see like these weird random laws uh, and like they might seem ridiculous to you, but in order for those laws to be there, somebody had to have done well, that's that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So don't don't spit on the sidewalk, right. or don't uh, you know don't feed ice cream to your pig on right. Sunday morning. Right. You know, right. it's because somebody did that right. at some point, right. and, and it, it created a problem. Something bad to happen, right? <clears throat> so the, those commands that that God gives His own people uh, have a special responsibility to that because they're given to His people. Uh, those who belong to God are specifically called to be holy. We're not to be like the world around us. And that's the command he gives to Israel in Leviticus 18. You came from Egypt where they did all these detestable things. You're going into Canaan where they're doing all these detestable things. But all these detestable things is why I am against them and I am carrying you. If you violate this, then you're going to be just like the rest of these people. And I've called you out from them to be separate, to be holy unto me, separated to me. My daughter and I were just talking about this on the the way to school, the idea of what it means to be holy. Don't live according to the ignorance you used to live in. Live set apart for God. That's who you are. So the illustration of marriage, sexuality, and family that God gives us is specifically, and it's not just about God's relationship with his people. It's his relationship with us as his people. So while it's a picture for everyone in the world to see, it actually relates to our relationship who are in him. And then uh, last major point, uh, getting sexuality wrong distorts the picture of who God is. So it's, it's not a small thing, it's blasphemy. When we get this wrong, it's not just that God has a preference. He'd rather we didn't do this. We are actually lying to he our souls and lying to the right. people around us about who God is. And gosh, we are so there. That's, Absolutely, that's what are. society is and right it, now. And it's, it's so that's why wrong. If anybody heard the the message on Sunday and, and thought I sounded angry, uh, uh, you know, I apologize if I gave a, a, a bad impression. Uh, I'm not angry with unbelievers for acting like unbelievers. I I pity them. I feel bad for them. I'm not angry with homosexual activity uh, among in the world. I I hurt for them. That there's a there's a harm that you're doing to yourself. I get angry with the church distorting the image of who God is. When the church is teaching people that wrong is right and right is wrong, then we are first and foremost to receive God's judgment. Judgment begins with the house of God, and I think that anger is appropriate. But uh, the immoral cannot enter the kingdom of God. That, that's a simple fact that is repeated over and over again, even in the grace-focused New Testament 
even as Paul is talking to the Galatians about not being caught up in legalistic rules and all that kind of stuff, he still says, look, if you're, if you're caught in these things, if this is your life, if you're embracing sin in any of these areas, and sexual immorality is on all of these lists and one of the first things listed in almost all of them, if you're engaging in these things, not, not if you stumble and if you fall, but if this is your embraced lifestyle, this is what you're choosing, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And I think... Gosh, I'm going to make people mad here and we're running out of time. So I don't... Running out of time to make people mad? I'm never we'll running, always I'm never find running time out of time that, to make so. people mad. Somebody is going to hear this and because this is where we are and think uh, they're homophobic, they're bigots, whatever. But when you say something like the immoral cannot enter the kingdom of God because the Bible says that. I didn't uh, make this stuff up. Right. I don't understand how people can still think that way. So you can be mad at God. Okay. You can say, okay, God is terrible and therefore, you know, therefore I don't believe but in him, which is not, not logical. I don't believe in him because I'm mad at him. Then what are you But I'm talking about? specifically so, about Christians. Right. So and, if you're going to be mad at Christians, then you're not really thinking it through. If a Christian really believes God's word, that what God says, God means. Mm-hmm. And he says, if you are sexually immoral, which does not, it doesn't say just Homosexual no, people. Any, if you are, that's the hot topic if you're right now. So living together outside of wedlock, right. you're pretending to be married. You're getting marriage wrong. That that's not what God intends. If you are engaged in sexual activity outside of the context of marriage, not just uh, you know intercourse uh, as we might spell it out directly. There was a big thing during the '90s and early 2000s among. Uh, supposed Christians in youth groups and, and private schools where they were trying to find loopholes to to virginity. So if I do these acts, it doesn't really count. then it doesn't really count because I didn't do that act. I did all the rest. And that's ridiculous hogwash. That's not how any of this works. But if if we really believe that, if a Christian believes that God means what he says and the sexually immoral or immoral in general cannot enter the kingdom of God, which means you are doomed, damned to eternal separation from God, eternal punishment, and they don't tell you about it, then that is the ultimate hatred. Mm-hmm. How, could, how could I believe that this is keeping you from God and harming you and not love you enough to at least tell you and give you the option? You still got to make your own choices, right? right? I have... I have gay family. I have gay friends. Sure, and when same, I say same. and when I say gay, I, I I don't have time to develop this because we're already way over time. But I don't believe for a moment that there is a homosexual person. There that that gene we don't see. The Bible doesn't talk about that. Right. We're talking about activities. So when I say gay, I'm talking about someone who has embraced that lifestyle as this is who I am. This is who I choose to be, or who, you know I'm going to go with this. I'm not going to. I'm not talking about somebody that has. Uh, particular attractions or temptations. That is a non-factor. God does not condemn us for temptation. He condemns us for action, for sin, and for attitudes, even more so, because the actions spring from the attitudes. So God has not called me to be uh, free of homosexual sin. He's called me to be free of sin. So heterosexual, homosexual, all these terms that we've made up Mm -hmm. are not, they're not relevant Mm -hmm. in themselves the question is, are we submitting to God in holiness, which we're not capable of doing apart from being regenerated through Christ? And the problem is not thinking that's a problem. 
Bingo. <laughs> Say that again because I think you nailed it. The problem is not thinking that's a problem. I've yeah. had conversations with people about this before. I, I know I got to go. But um, They're going to put your kid out on the street I for know. you. Christ followers who, who think, those things, next week. think those things are okay, um, that's the problem. Uh, right. because every, I sin every single day. I, uh, I, for a while I lived with my ex-husband before we got married. I know that was wrong. I've, I've, I've had guilt for that for a long time, but people who are, are daily living in a certain kind of sin, whatever it is, right. and not repenting of that, maybe even just because they don't think it's wrong is the problem that's that's when the immoral cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, because you're not repenting because you're not thinking it's an issue. And again, we're not talking about stumbling. Right. When a child is learning to walk, we never, you know, Berate oh my, them my for, goodness, right, how ter- right. I'm going to spank you because you fell right, down. Right. That's not how it works. Even when a child is good at walking and right. they fall down, we're not going to beat them because they fell down. But when you don't realize that what you're doing is wrong, then you're not going to try to change it. So that's why it's so important to understand the reality right. of the word and not just piecemeal things together. That's exactly right. We have to see the whole thing, the whole context of all of it together. And I, I, I really need to say homosexuality is wrong. It is not more wrong right. than fornication in any other way. When we are guilty of sexual sin then we are guilty of doing our thing instead of God's thing. Whichever direction or whatever flavor that may take, that's not the point. That's not relevant. Mm-hmm. The question is, are we fully conformed to God's standard? If we're not, then all of us who are not perfectly conformed to God's standard are outside of that relationship, and we need a Savior. God has given us mercy and grace in Christ to take away all of that, and so whatever sins, whatever sins are in my past, right. that I don't have to live with that guilt once I've given that to him. Mm-hmm. He died to pay for all of that. I don't have to keep beating myself over the head with that. And, and as Christians, we don't need to beat others over the head. We just need to make sure that everybody that we love knows the truth. Mm-hmm. And then we need to find more people to love. You know, that, that's, that's the thing. We can't love without truth, and we can't have truth without love, or we become abusive. We want to make sure that we it's find It's funny, because often when you tell the truth, people think you're hating. That's right. <laughs> but it's not the case. The idea so. that love supports every choice you make, that's not love. It right. never has been. Okay, well, I have to cut us off, because otherwise we're going to be here all day. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, sorry this took a little longer than usual. But, uh, and absolutely, yeah. if there are any questions, right. you know, because I know there are a lot of loose ends here, please mm-hmm. do uh, follow up with us. Email Rich personally. <laughs> oh, no. You can do that. You, you, can, you can email the, 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 the show. Pod, the show at uh, somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Or if you want to just connect with Rich and talk more about that, what's your email? Pa- Pastor Rich at reallifeonline.org. Okay. Or you can give us a call at 269-756-RLCC. If you want to start some kind of public forum conversation, leave a message or leave a comment on uh, Facebook or YouTube. And yeah, we'll get that going. And if you're jerky, then you'll get deleted. That's that's how it works. We've had a couple of people who, who you know, left comments that were not positive comments, not trying to seek truth, not to ask questions, but just saying uh, derogatory and blasphemous things. That will always get deleted. Just to understand that now. If you're foul, you're probably going to go away. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.